Okay, and we are back on another episode of Can You Dig It? I am your host. I'm not actually, it's Harrison Fagan. I'm not going to pretend to be Christian Rivas (laughs) this time with the least convincing impression in the world. Number one, because I don't think that I can go that deep with my voice. And number two, because I'm way too excited to sound like Christian right now because (laughs) Lakers basketball is back. I have a reason to be employed again. Jacob, both of us, I think, are like, really really excited that like basketball is back on our tv it feels a little bit like normalcy and while i think that we can debate the ethics of the nba's taking testing away in florida we can talk about you know whether or not like we we as a country really deserve basketball it doesn't matter because we have it back and okay actually i take that back it does matter (laughs) but it doesn't matter to the nba because we have basketball back and i gotta say it was just really nice even though it was a meaningless scrimmage Like, you know, the score doesn't matter. The result doesn't matter. It was different commentators than usual. The fake crowd noise was weird. None of it. I don't care. It was just, it was just awesome to have basketball back on the TV and like not have it be a rerun. I've watched so many like games from the eighties and like stuff like that, that it was nice to see uh, LeBron James back on the court, Anthony Davis, those guys. Uh, I've had, I think every game that they've played bar for whatever the, the other game that went on tonight at the same time as the Lakers game. Every other game I've watched because I've just missed basketball so much. Um, And it felt even better to see the Lakers actually on the court tonight. Yeah. See, that's commitment because like I too was really excited and I'm like, I'm going to watch all of these games. And then I realized number one, I don't have league pass. So that was an issue. And then I would (laughs) have looked up streams, but I kind of lost steam a little bit after the Clippers broadcast yesterday. We're like, you know, Again, all due respect to Noah Eagle. I actually, like, I appreciated that he stayed focused on the game for the most part. It's just like, dude, you got to breathe sometimes. Like, I understand that, like, that is also ironic coming from me as someone who talks fast. But, um, like, it was just, it, it gave me a little bit of anxiety. But I also, like, I still enjoyed it, I think, more than the traditional game broadcast, especially on national outlets, which has, like, just generally become, like, a podcast uh, rather than, like, anything that uh, is focused on the game. But, like, we are, again, we are not here to talk about broadcasting and what makes a good broadcast. We are here to talk about what, you know, just what stood out to us from the Lakers tonight because this is our first time watching the team and I believe it's like over four months now and like it's fresh basketball against another opponent like a pretty good team in the Dallas Mavericks too and like you know I think that there were a lot of encouraging takeaways from this game as much like you know I'm just we'll get this out of the way this is overreaction to preseason theater so yes like all of these points come with caveat this game doesn't matter it's just one game that didn't count whatever like we're gonna overreact to it because that's what we do uh you know and we try to take away things from what the footage we have and like I thought there were a lot of positives for the Lakers tonight and you know a couple like concerning things as well moving forward or questions they'll have to answer but like let's start with the positives what to you Jacob do you think like was the biggest like the best thing that you saw from the Lakers in this game or the most encouraging sign that LeBron James still looks superhuman yeah (laughs) Um, he did not look like he has been off at all uh, since or for the last four months, like I know he was having secret. Well, I don't know that. Every people have said he had secret games going on. Basically, um, <clears throat> I'd believe it because he looked incredible tonight. Uh, he only played the first half, but he was really damn good in that first half. Um, finished with twelve points, five assists, three rebounds. Just like doing everything you expect LeBron to do. Crazy passes. 
um, getting up and down the court. My <clears throat> favorite part was when he had that fast break dunk at the end, toward the end of the first half and then said either I'm still the fastest man out here or I'm still the baddest man out here. Taylor Rooks tweeted it. I guess it was a debate on Media Row. One of those makes way more sense than the other one. I think he probably said, I'm the baddest man out here. I feel like it's got to be baddest because, like, look, LeBron is fast for a guy his size. Like, like, no dispute for me. LeBron is fast. He is not the fastest player in the NBA. He's maybe the fastest guy his size in the NBA, but he's not the fastest player in the NBA. It's got to be baddest. Yeah, and which – that so like which is also way more accurate i think it's probably fair to call him the baddest man in the like he's certainly probably the scariest barreling down the lane at you other than maybe Giannis. or well boban would be pretty scary yeah i mean boban just from a self-preservation standpoint like you don't know if he's actually (laughs) going to finish the basket but you do know you're going to die uh i appreciated i don't know who said it if it was Geeter uh, was talking about Boban and uh, said at one point, you may know him from John Wick 3. Yes, that was hilarious. Geeter had some, Geeter actually like had some great moments on tonight's broadcast, I thought. Yeah, and, but circling back to that LeBron thing, that's kind of, <laughs> it's why I wish that uh, there wasn't all this music and crowd noise because I wouldn't hear LeBron like yelling out, I'm still the baddest man out here after uh, a layup, which we're not going to get. But Yeah, they're no- I, I've just come to the conclusion that like if they're pumping in fake crowd noise, like they didn't even give us a chance to hear something regrettable from someone less important than LeBron, like then, you know, like we're just not going to get it. And that kind of sucks because like outside of like the kind of you know, like drama factor of it would be fun to hear what LeBron James actually yells at Patrick Beverly, like during a game or something like that. Like, uh, or like how guys actually make their case to the refs. Like it would also be really cool just to hear like the Lakers defensive communication, who's really talking out there, who's really quarterbacking the defense, like how vocal is Anthony Davis actually? Like we know LeBron is vocal, but what does that sound like? Like I'd be excited to hear that stuff. And like, you know, if they're pumping in fake crowd noise in game one, then, you know, I just have to come to the conclusion and they're just not going to give us that no but there, there were a couple of different media people who were talking about or tweeting about lebron was calling out defensive assignments all over the court um so yeah that was just my biggest takeaway was that lebron not shocking that he was that he's great but it was a little surprising that it didn't look like he'd lost a step at all um and really generally speaking that was the case for pretty much most of the lakers anthony davis was the same he didn't look that rusty um javel played well um danny green hit a couple shots like i was surprised at how good they looked pretty much off the bat because in the other games i'd watched the first quarter has been kind of a feeling out like shake the rust off second quarter is like a little all right and then the starters don't play in the third quarter and the Lakers really turned it on there toward the end of the second quarter. Yeah, Jacob, you said that there was no evidence. We don't know that LeBron and the Lakers were secret workout. Uh, were doing secret scrimmages. I, I think after watching this first half, we know that <laughs> LeBron and the Lakers were doing secret scrimmages. Like JaVale McGee has asthma and allegedly has not been able to play basketball in months. And he was moving maybe as good as I've seen him move during his entire time with the Lakers, getting up and down the court and getting out on the break. And, you know, okay, sure. I will buy that some of that is adrenaline, but 
he did not look like a guy who has had a long basketball layoff, especially not a seven-footer that is not that quick normally that has asthma. Like, it, like JaVale looked good, and, you know, so did the starters. They went down a little bit early, and then they really, like, turned it on. I think they went on a couple 9-0 runs at various points. Like, you know, really ratcheted up the pressure and built up, like, an 11-point lead by halftime, which, like, you know, you mentioned Davis played well, you know, continued his uh, – as much as you can continue this in a preseason game, his defensive player of the year argument, even though I guess that voting is going to be over, so it doesn't matter. But, like, reminded us of why he's a candidate for that. You know, the whole starters as a unit I thought looked pretty good, even with KCP, like, up until – yeah, you know, he rolled his ankle, so he didn't get a ton of minutes with that group. But I was encouraged by, like, the ball movement and the spacing that we saw. Um, and then I think that, like, kind of brings us to – like, because we got to spend some time and talk about – probably the second most encouraging thing from this game other than that like the normal lineups that matter look good was that like waiters island is is here and it is a this is what you were gonna say it is a glorious vacation destination like he took the most Dion Waiters first shot he possibly could have taken, like tried to cross a guy up repeatedly, got towards, like, got towards the basket, but then decided to take a step back fall away from near the free throw line and just sunk it. And there is like, I, I was never more excited during this game than when Dion hit that shot. Like that was when I knew like we, like Dion Waiters is actually like, he's at least been staying in shape and he is ready to play some basketball for the Lakers. And like, you know, if he's going to continue like doing his whole thing, where he squats down to like try and use his momentum to see the get the ball to go in as it's going to the basket instead of like doing what you're supposed to do which is getting back in transition uh on threes and stuff like that like you know I love it like and I'm very very much here for the Dion Waiters experience and in one game so far it was as good as I was hoping it would be so I was a little I don't want to say hesitant uh, I guess apprehensive maybe unsure about this and I tweeted this it took exactly one rotation of Deion Waiters for me to be fully in on the experience. <laughs> like he uh, it like in seriousness the, these games have like a kind of like a a pickup game type of vibe to it or a summer league game and like that would be the type of situations Dion would thrive in yeah, he, um, like, literally is basically, like, a tailor-made built player for exactly this type of situation where you need energy from your bench. So it's a little bit more, like, of an advantage to have a guy that who can embarrass dudes with his dribble, like, and, like, do fancy stuff that gets every, like, the limited people in there excited. Like, you know, I think that kind of stuff matters. And, like, he, he's also not the kind of guy that needs a crowd to find energy. He just needs the ball. Like, And that'll be really valuable. Yeah, I, did, I hadn't thought of it in that way, but that'll be really valuable. Um I mean, we saw he can get off his own shot. Um, he provides, like, the team loves him. Like, he provides a certain kind of spark. I think that they the, – or somebody said that uh, after his first shot, like, everybody jumped up and yelled cheese. It almost like, – it reminds me almost of how excited the Lakers would get when Nick Young was playing well, which I know is, like, a mixed <laughs> comparison. Like, not everyone listening to this, it's going to make them happy. But I just mean from, like, a team chemistry standpoint and in terms of, like, them getting really – like, them all liking the guy and being really excited when he does well and gets hot. I mean, I remember Powell hitting a three and running down court and doing Nick Young's celebration with him side by side at one point during one of those seasons. So, yeah, that's that's not one I thought of. That's a very good comparison. But, like, I guess that was one of the other things. Not that we didn't know it already, but, like, how tight this group still is. Like, 
for not seeing each other allegedly for four months. Yeah, I, guess I probably- think it's very important to say allegedly at this point because I'm not sure that that is accurate. Uh, I, it may have been closer to three months with the pre with the scrimmages they had, but for the most part, go multiple months without seeing each other. Like this is still a really tight knit group. Like, like I said, they were all up cheering for Dion. They seemed to love that. They were all up cheering for uh, Tht and Kaycock when they scored. Like even those guys. Um, it's a lot of this team is just so much fun. That's a big thing I missed about this group is they're just so much fun to root for. They all like cheer for each other. It's just such a a tight knit group that I had kind of forgotten how much fun it was to watch them play basketball. Yeah, they're like basic. They're pretty much like like the most likable team I think I've ever covered for extended time. Like it's just clearly a group that cares about each other. They're funny. Like we've gotten to look at that behind the scenes a little bit in JaVale's vlog, like as well, like just some of the stuff, like a little bit closer to a peek behind the curtain and like the way that they are, you know, even away from games and away from cameras. Like I was, this is, has nothing to do with the game, but I was dying today at him and Sha- at him and Dwight doing Shaq impressions to each other as they were walking <laughs> out towards the team bus. Like, you know, a guy who they, earlier in the year revealed that they had bonded over wanting to fist fight at one point and then decided that he could probably take them pretty easily since he's a cop and uh like also has like mixed martial artist training but um you know like it's just we you you can see it in these games when like lebron's lebron is like the star on the team and he's jumping up like robert sacre to dance after taylor horton tucker scores like they just all really like each other and root for each other and like it's it's a fun group to watch and like it's all it's impossible like to not feel like like even outside of just the dion factor like that doesn't give them some type of intangible advantage in this kind of environment where like they're going to have like Chris Haynes wrote a whole column yesterday about how teams that have like guys that aren't happy with the roles that normally sulk on the bench are going to have to fake it a little bit better because it's so clear when guys aren't engaged in this atmosphere with no fans and no crowd noise and anything and so like the Lakers don't have that problem all these guys are bought into each other's success and it was just like it, it was just you know it was just some joy and like some fun to get on our tv for the first time and you know it feels like a year but it's only been like four months or so that might be an underrated thing about bringing in Dion and jr that at least i hadn't thought about or talked about is in that regard that those two fit in kind of seamlessly with this group um i mean jr knows lebron i don't know how many of the other guys he's played with i'm sure he's played with some of the other guys um and Dion's a veteran that's been around forever i think he played part of a year with lebron um another guy who's been around a long time um two veterans that i mean at, at least you today just in terms of like some of those intangible stuff you're talking about fit in seamlessly and seem to be a part of the team right away and considering that this was the first time either of them i don't think dion physically suited up for any game before the break no, he so did not. this was the first time either of them had suited up for the lakers in any capacity um seeing how they were just it just felt like they'd been a part of the team the whole time so I think uh that was interesting to see and just a reminder of how close this team is and that'll I think that'll matter in some regard um once we get into these playoff games but um there really weren't many negatives I could think of and like I also tried to actually hold on let me stop you there because I think that there were a couple and I want to talk about them really quickly uh after the short break 
All right, Jacob. Uh, there is there are a couple things that we should mention in like the minuses column. Just really quick, you know. Again, it's a scrimmage, so I don't want to belabor this too much. But uh, you know, I just want to get into the softness of Anthony Davis to only have one rebound in a game. <laughs> uh, you know, where like your team lost, they clearly need no. I'm that was that was Harrison's impression of uh, Harrison auditioning for a first take appearance. Um, I was waiting on the Harrison's hot takes like explosion noises yeah well you wouldn't have heard i would have had to edit that in later but to be honest i think i lost that sound effect and that was like custom <laughs> edited that i made uh almost blowing out my speakers to do so um yeah. and uh but anyway uh yeah no a anthony davis having one rebound i think is okay for uh for this scrimmage setting the thing that is actually like I feel like even saying concerning is like an overreaction because it's also something that we kind of knew but it was reinforced today like the lakers really do not look great in those like non-LeBron AD minutes and uh, that's not going to be a lot of minutes in the playoffs but they're going to have to find a way to be better than they were tonight like they lost th that this is the biggest question for Frank Vogel and the coaching staff in Orlando is figuring out how to put these pieces together so that you're not blowing an 11 point lead like in its entirety during those minutes where LeBron and AD are like aren't out there and again like this group was out there for a lot longer than that group would normally be out there together but it's still something where like they're going to have to learn how to play with a lead or you know find some energy and help the Lakers make a comeback or at least just like be effective in however many minutes that they're out there because there will be some non-LeBron AD minutes we've seen that this year like that that's something that happens and especially without Rondo like they're gonna have to find a ball handling answer like I think Dion sort of answered that question tonight but at the same time he's like a little he's he's pretty shot happy and you know if he's not on then that can be a problem like we even saw that at times during this game like when he just misses like it's a pretty listless possession and I think it's hard to go back down and buy back in on defense after that like when you feel like you didn't even get an opportunity to touch the ball whatever so like I mean that kind of is who Dion is so that may just be a flaw with these lineups but they're gonna have to figure something out with these non-LeBron non-AD groups as they go forward here I mean did you see anything he in that respect that encouraged you from like the bench lineups no, not really, but it's also kind of hard to tell because, like you mentioned, that group was out there pretty long. They did have Caruso, who is absolutely going to be a huge part of those lineups. Um, he'll probably be one of the primary ball handlers. Um, it, it, the Quinn Cook can still cannot make an entry pass. I, this is something yeah, that has, yeah, like, that has frustrated uh, – I don't think this is a secret. I believe she said this on her podcast. But, like, uh, this is something that has frustrated Sabrina and Slack all year. And it was, like, the most predictable thing in the world that the first Slack message we came into in the game was, yeah, Quinn Cook still <laughs> can't make an entry pass. I was like, this is the most niche thing for you to be uh, – for you to have, like, a long-running grudge about this entire season. But, um, you know, she's not wrong also. Like, Quinn Cook cannot make an entry pass, and that's a problem, like, for this team if he's going to play backup point guard minutes and stuff like that. And, you know, I, like, I think, um, like, the one, the one positive that I did notice was that Dion, like, at least with him out there instead of Rondo, I think the decisions happen quicker. He doesn't always pass it. Like, sometimes that's going to be a shot or whatever, but it seemed like there was more ball movement overall with that group versus, like, a lot of times Rondo really just pounds the ball and like is really trying to set up plays and stuff like that and I, I think this that bench group is a little bit better suited when they're playing a little bit more helter skelter a little bit more ball movement it's a different kind of ball handling between Dion and Rondo um which is 
kind of obvious, but just in regards to that, like you said, Rondo pounds the ball a lot, tells guys where to go, gets guys into steps. Dion is, like you said, much more like almost definitive. Like he's he's going to go off a ball screen and something is going to happen. Yeah. Um, good or bad, but something is going to happen. So there's a bit of guys having to learn to play around him. Um, I do think after watching Dion tonight that I think him and Caruso could make a pretty good uh, backcourt against second units. Um, what makes you feel that way? Well, I think Caruso, his ball handling isn't the greatest. It's still an area he's he's improved on, certainly this season. Um, and he's so smart off of those ball screens, cutting or finding the open area or setting um, screens off the ball. Um, he's just such a smart player that I think it could play off well next to Dion. And then Caruso's a, a good defender, so he'll be able to take whichever um, – guard that is better in the in the, whatever lineup they're playing um I was encouraged by that I yeah I mean I don't want to be too hard on Quinn Cook he did actually somehow finish with 13 points but no he he was overall good tonight it's just the entry pass thing like uh, to be clear I'm well, not, yeah I'm not trashing Quinn Cook like he had a couple yeah I before we got on here I you said that you missed the last couple minutes of the game and I was like yeah Quinn Cook had like a couple like Derrick Rose-esque finishes and you said that that was the first time that he's ever been compared to Derrick Rose which is probably true but he did have some yes. wild layup finishes at the end of the game that were not shots you would expect him to make and you know he had a couple threes I believe like you know he was good tonight well yeah I was gonna say I don't want to be be hard on him he, he's he was pretty much what we thought he is and yeah I I still don't really know how much you'll be able to play him in bigger games um I'm sure that they're going to experiment with some stuff not just in the scrimmages but in some of these seating games to try to find the right combination between because really Quinn Dion and Caruso are going that trio are going to get minutes um, in these big games. So trying to figure out the right way to use those guys, um, unless J.R. Smith really comes in and really starts knocking down shots. Well, so that's um, a guy I, I, I did want – I'm glad you brought up because, you know, we haven't mentioned him yet, which is kind of surprising, but I think Frank Vogel actually forgot he was on the team for the whole first yeah. half uh, and then ended up playing him somewhat normal rotation. I, I don't want to overread into preseason, but, like, I do feel like that is maybe a little bit of an indication in where he sees JR versus where he sees Dion, yeah. or at the very least he wanted to look at Dion first. Like that's another way to look at it. But like, I think that JR may be a little bit deeper bench than Dion as of right now, based on what we've seen. Yeah. And I would agree with that. Um, I, I was a little surprised he didn't play at all in the first half. I yeah. thought maybe he would play him with LeBron for some minutes, especially when KCP, went to the locker room. Um, I was surprised KCP even went back in the game. But uh, I was a little surprised that he didn't put him in, and then he put him in and basically didn't take him out. So um, I'm not really sure where JR stands. I think at some point he's going to get some run with LeBron, but I don't disagree. I think tonight is probably a, a sign of where he's going to be in this rotation. He, he can knock down shots. Um, I could see him playing basically the the role in the rotation that Troy Daniels did. There might be nights where the Lakers need some threes and he can come in and try to knock some down if they're playing against a zone or something like that. But um, I'd be surprised if he played any, ki any type of regular rotation minutes. Um, but 
We'll and, see. And like, look, a better defending Troy Daniels is like not that bad of an upgrade, you know, for like a big yeah. bench guy. Like, you know, I think they're uh, Troy Daniels probably a little bit better of a shooter, but like Jr. definitely, you know, pay, outpaces him on the defensive end. Like, you know, I feel pretty confident saying, even though we only watched him for like what, like 12, 15 minutes tonight. 14 minutes and 57 seconds. Officially. Okay, so I was I was pretty close. The the other guy that I want to make sure and let, was, was there anyone else specifically that you wanted to touch on? Uh, like nope. the other guy that I wanted to talk about is uh you know like we would be doing I think our listeners and like the Lakers and the, this entire fan base like a disservice if we did not address like our um our young slightly less thick now but still thick son uh Taylor Horton Tucker <laughs> uh finally getting some minutes with the parent squad even if it was a meaningless uh like scrimmage against the Mavericks like it was cool to see him out there you can definitely see some of why like maybe he's impressed a little bit in camp like I thought he had a couple nice moments he also had a couple very rookie-esque mistakes but like you know like I first I want to get this out of the way he airballed his first three that he took I'm not gonna chalk that like you know who else like airballed some like early threes in like a postseason like weird unprecedented tournament for the Lakers was was, it was Kobe Bryant you know so like look I'm not saying like THT is gonna be Kobe but, like, I, I am saying that one of the media members definitely left the door open while he was shooting that three, and some wind came in and took it. Like, you know, he did not – he doesn't normally airball threes. We're just going to – we're, we're going to come out here and just, like, get ahead of that storyline. It's probably telling that I thought you were going to bring up a Giannis comparison as he has airballed some threes in the preseason. So far. <laughs> um, I'm not sure which one is more of a reach. Uh, he had some moments. I did see a couple – he played pretty much just to the fourth quarter, a little bit in the third, but I saw a couple of moments. He had a really nice like wraparound pass to Dwight that was, uh, I think, blocked from behind. But like you said, you can see the flashes. You can see the flashes of like yeah. this kid clearly has skill. It's just there's a lot of polish missing right now. And I think you saw – so I know Vogel has said a lot of things. Uh, I think it was today or yesterday – about him I think he is a very long way away from being like a a contributor on this team and I know that was maybe some pipe dreams for fans but I would be very surprised if he has a an actual role on this team I think he'll play some of these seeding games just because I think they're going to rest some of these guys Um, but I mean it's a good experience for him to be be with the team at this and he's going to get to practice with the team as long as they're there. I mean, this is all really good experience for him. And um, you could kind of see what you're going to get with him eventually. But um, yeah, he, he's still a bit away. It, it was fun to watch him though. Him, It was just as fun to watch Kaycock. I mean, we knew again what he would bring, but man, that dude does not slow down at all. No, yeah, he did. He did exactly what you'd expect Kaycock to do. And, like, you know, I thought, like, in a, like, telling sign of where his, like, kind of status is with this team, like, number one, you know, everybody was tweeting about THT. I saw very few Kaycock tweets. And then number two, like, earlier today, like, he was uh, misidentified in JaVale's latest blog as Devontae Cook. Um, and <laughs> so, and like, in his super. JaVale does not edit those, to be clear. Um, and I'm sure that, that was, like, just an innocent typo there is a guy with the last name cook on the team it was just like it i'm like yep that's that's about where Devonte kaycock's 
status is right now. It's like, it's misspelled name on the super, but like, I, I thought he was awesome. Like, you know, he, like he did the like energizer bunny things that you expect from him. And like, I really do think that he's a guy that it's like worth the Lakers keeping around. And I think they were smart to get him on that multi-year two-way contract just to like really keep taking a look at this kid. Like, I, I think he could be something for them in much the same way that I felt like Alex Caruso could be something down the line when we were watching him show flashes like down the stretch of the season two years ago and even in summer league and stuff so like he's an interesting guy to keep around um like THT it was just fun like watching you know like just him go through like those rookie things and like it felt like the last couple years honestly of like getting to watch a guy develop in real time and like just seeing him miss reads and stuff like that like you know like I think again clearly has promise but I I agree with I think it's probably a pipe dream to expect him to play uh, many significant minutes in this tournament. Um, The other guy that I think it's indicative of where their status is, like that we have not addressed them yet, is Kyle Kuzma. Um, You know, I think it's somewhat telling that we felt the need to talk about Taylor Horton Tucker before we discuss Kuz. Um, Kuz was not great tonight. I I think he had a couple moments where it looked like he was fitting in off ball and like he was doing the types of things you'd want him to do. He also scored nine points on 13 shots. Um, and you know, like was it, it I think it was, uh, who was it? It was Kevin Pelton that noted he was in mid season form at complaining that the defensive help was not behind him. Um, so, you know, not not the strongest start for Kuzma. And it actually led to Mia and I, as we were watching the game, she said, is Vogel's praise just a kiss of death? Because she went down the list and it's like literally everybody that he said <laughs> is like the breakout star of camp did not have that great of a game. Like they were okay, but, um, you know, struggled at times clearly a little bit. And I, I don't know. What did you think of Kuz tonight? I, I literally wrote Kuzma struggled. On, <laughs> on my notes. So uh, again, we've mentioned it is preseason but the problem is he struggled in a lot of the ways he struggled during the season um he, just he didn't play a ton of minutes with shots. LeBron and AD so like I think that's like if you're looking for signs for hope he was kind of playing and like and number one he had like uh, at least one nice pick and roll with Dwight and number two yeah. I think tonight was playing a more significant usage role than he will like when the games actually matter and I thought that he showed some good signs of like off ball cutting and awareness like away from the ball and stuff so like you know there's some hopeful signs within the like the game wasn't as bad as the box score looks. Yeah, I would agree. I was surprised when I looked at the box score and saw the 413 because it didn't feel like he had played that bad. Um, Shouts to Christian. I think he said it either last week or the week before where he was talking about that Kuzma Dwight pick and roll. Um, And yeah, it it led to a basket tonight. Um, I think that he may have a little bit more ball handling or at least they'll try it in some of those second units. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what he's able to do. Um, he still had seven rebounds and um, assists, a, a steal. Like, he did some things. I still think he was – he played decently defensively, which is about all you can ask for in the first preseason game. So, I mean, basically it was what Kuzma's done all season, for better and for worse. Um, hopefully he's able to kind of unlock something in these – scrimmages and in these seating games um but yeah it was a bit of a struggle tonight but it's hard it I won't get down too down on him because uh this is a it was a really weird atmosphere for a game I'm sure 
Yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that stood out as much as anything. Like, and as nice as it was to have basketball back, like, you know, there are very real reasons why they're in Orlando in a fanless gym with like weird circumstances. And there are also like very real things going on. And like, I, I think that we would be, uh, you know, like, remiss if we did not mention that uh you know like we wanted to the, these podcasts we're going to be doing these after every games like quick reactions normally anthony will be hosting with a co-host but i stepped in tonight because he's uh you know like he's too big of a star to handle scrimmage games um but like you know like i i think we would be again we would be remiss if we did not mention that lebron james i think spoke as passionately and eloquently as I have heard him talk since like this, uh, you know, the current social justice movement. And like, you know, he even said he doesn't want to call Black Lives Matter a movement because there hasn't been a whole lot of movement in this country to help black people, uh, you know, but I, I don't want to get too far into summarizing what he said. I think that it's really important that everybody goes and watches LeBron's remarks in full. I thought that Vogel was incredibly like impassioned and heartfelt on talking about acknowledging his own white privilege and why white people especially like have to get comfortable talking about systemic racism and like you know Anthony Davis also spoke about uh like all of those things and LeBron continued to harp on like we need justice for Breonna Taylor he's not wrong uh we we do need that and like we need those officers arrested as he said but again like I don't like Jacob or I would be you know, I think doing all of you a disservice if we sat here and summarized that because number one, like we are both white guys. Uh, and like, you know, I, I think that like part of the problem with media sometimes is white people trying to like explain issues that they are not as well versed on or have not lived or understood and don't have as much diversity of experience. And like LeBron said, like we can be empathetic towards their cause, but we can't understand it unless we've grown up like black in America. And like, I agree with him 100%. And like, to, I, I think both of us are with and support the Black Lives Matter movement, but ultimately, we will never know all, uh, completely what that feels like to not feel safe walking around in your own country. And I thought that LeBron really kind of spoke on that incredibly well tonight, and as did Anthony Davis and Frank Vogel to uh, Frank Vogel on a different, you know, uh, degree for like the types of conversations the white people need to be comfortable having. And so I would encourage all of you to go and watch all of those post-game availabilities in their entirety. Uh, you know, like I, I am going to do my best to get those up on the website as soon as I can find video of them. Uh, so possibly by the time that you're listening to this, they will be up there on Silver Screen and Roll. And, you know, Jacob, I don't know if you have anything that you want to add, but I, I just felt like that was important for us to acknowledge and direct people to go watch because it is really important and it's notable. And I think that they're taking the right approach in terms of doing it in their post-game availability, not really allowing basketball questions to be asked and like to be honest like does that make my job harder maybe a little but like it's also far more important than my job and whether or not like I can write stupid basketball stories you know like we have to get this country right and like I think that them talking when they know that fans are going to be most listening right after a game is a step like towards that at least in terms of raising awareness and having those conversations yeah I mean all that that you just said is pretty much exactly how I feel um I, I listened to a bit of what LeBron said. I'm going to go try to find the full thing after we're done recording. Um, kudos to all these guys. LeBron, AD, Frank Vogel um, has, like you said, had a, had a bunch of interesting comments about how he's kind of researched and, and talked to people during the, the quarantine. Um, 
I know Caruso, I believe yesterday started his press conference with um, some comments about that. Kudos to all these he, guys. He answered, for, Caruso answered all basketball questions by saying we need justice for Breonna Taylor. Uh, Frank Vogel, you know, talked about why he felt like it was important for him and his coaches to speak out about like continuing the conversation and things like that. And like, you know, I, I think that these are important things for us as media to ask them about. And I think it's important things for them to get a platform to talk about and, uh, you know, just gain like the ears of people who might not be paying as much attention otherwise. Like, I think some people have like argued against the, uh, like how, whether this is effective or not, but I know personally that I have had more people, you know, like, and like, like white people, like fam family, friends, like talk about this stuff with me than I ever did before, you know, basketball players started talking about it before it was all over the news. Like this stuff does make a difference, I think. And like anybody who, like feels like it doesn't either I think needs like better friends or like they like need to I think like address some of their own privilege and just wanting them to talk about sports after these games when there's like all this other stuff going on like there's going to be time to talk about basketball and like I, I just thought that it was really you know powerful the way especially LeBron like th this was like as passionate as I have heard him on any topic and like it was raw and you could tell that he was trying to keep his emotions in check as he talked about it and you know I, I just like I gained even more respect for him than I already had. Yeah, Spectrum just tweeted out the a link to the video, so it'll be on their website if you guys. Well, there you go. And but I, this is just another example. I'm so happy that we have LeBron as a face of the NBA and the Lakers right now. Yeah, I mean the NBA and the Lakers are incredibly lucky to have him, and you know, again, that's in the in the in the end, that is more important than any basketball game. Also, we did not mention this. Uh, the Lakers lost tonight uh, by two points. Uh, I we did not even told you. Yeah, we. You know, it's a uh, like it's a. Uh, it was a scrimmage. They lost by, or no, they lost by four points because that last basket didn't count. But, uh, you know, if you were waiting around this long for the score, I apologize. <laughs> we will uh, try to get better at that as we continue to do these post-game shows. But again, uh, justice for Breonna Taylor, and yes. we will talk to all of you later.